Let's pray together. Almighty Father, we are grateful. Lord, we are grateful that we fell into sin and death. You did not turn away, but Lord, turn toward us in your son, Jesus. That Lord, reaching your strong arm into the swirling, chaotic waters of death and sin, you pulled him back up again on Easter morning, and with him us, who share in your life. And so, Lord Jesus, we call on you to send your spirit to make us people of your resurrection, now and always. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. It must have been a long Sabbath. I picture Mary and the other women sitting in terrible grief all that Saturday. They immediately purchased spices as soon as the Sabbath is over. They wanted to treat his body with just a little bit of dignity. The spices were expensive, just like the perfume that was poured on Jesus before his death. But how could they just leave Jesus like that? Without a proper burial? No. Something had to be done. They were not thinking about things clearly because they had no idea how they would get the body. How, who was going to roll back the stone? It's something they didn't think about until they were on the way. But at first light, they rush to the tomb, burying their precious ointments in humble hopes to make the decaying body of Jesus smell just a little bit better, to give him a slightly more dignified death. It was an act of sacrificial love, and it took courage. It took courage to run out there the next morning, spend all that money on spices. It took courage to try to hope even that much for them, just hope that the body could smell a little better. But when they arrive, the stone is rolled aside they came to anoint Jesus, but God, God had already anointed Jesus. He had already made him Messiah, had already made him his Christ, his anointed one. And the oil poured out on this broken body of the Son of God was the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that hovered over creation in the beginning. And here, the Spirit anoints Jesus as the first fruits of new creation, just as Pete preached last night. The foretaste of the coming full harvest of the kingdom of God. And the women come. They come resigned to this sacrificial act of tending to a dead body, and they find that they have not hoped greatly enough yet. That the hope that God is offering them is so much greater than the hope that they were prepared to bring. And who can blame them? Who can blame them? Despite Jesus telling them over and over and over again that this would happen, nobody saw this coming. And when they arrived at the empty tomb, the young man is sitting there, an angel in white. And he must have been dazzling because they are frightened. And he came to assure them not to be. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell the disciples and Peter even that he is going before them to Galilee. 
You will see him there as he told you. And they went and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now, every time an angel shows up, the first thing they ever say is, do not be afraid, which suggests they must have been terrifying to behold. Beautiful, good, and terrifying, much like the hope of resurrection. This is no different. The women come resigned to lament the Lord's death and desecration, and all of a sudden this massive stone is rolled away, and this young man in dazzling lightning clothing proclaims, Christ is risen to them, and they run away in shock and fear. But we know, of course, they couldn't keep quiet forever. The other Gospels recount that they preached the very first Easter sermon to Peter and others, who eventually went to see for themselves. God was doing something so much bigger, so much more awe-inspiring than they have the imagination to comprehend. They leave the tomb afraid, perplexed, shaken by the very gravity of this thing. What is happening? What is happening? Have you ever had a terrible nightmare? that wakes you up in the middle of the night. And when you wake up suddenly, for a moment, you know, you do not know what is real and what was part of the dream. Did those terrible things actually happen? Or was it all just a dream? When the resurrection of Jesus is proclaimed to these women, it must have been like waking up from a nightmare, but a nightmare that was true. A nightmare that Jesus was beaten and mocked and shamed and crucified only to awaken to the reality that he is alive. The nightmare is real. And so also is this utter and complete and unexpected victory of God in Jesus. The wounds that marked his body, the spirit raised even those to new life. But Easter, Easter is also terrifying. It's terrifying because it's so hard to trust. The problem is that the story is too good. So much of our life, we learn to gauge our expectations, to brace ourselves for what might be the worst possible scenario. My father told me many, many times that if something sounds too good to be true, It probably is. And frankly, that's very good advice for most things in life and work. If you get offered $20 million inheritance from a Nigerian prince via email, you should probably not send them your bank information. We learn to guard ourselves with skepticism, not just for skepticism's sake. It's a defense mechanism. It's guarding our own hearts. It has a place, but it can also leave us blind and hardened to beauty even when he is standing before our face. Hope. And scares us because we have been disappointed by so many things so many times before that it seems safer to bridle our expectations 
It has been hardwired into us to expect a cold, dark world because then we won't be disappointed when the world turns out to be cold and dark. We would rather never to love than to have our hearts broken again. And in the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, all of the sin and all of the brokenness and all the heartache of the world meets that one bright burning hope. And for a while, everything seems lost. But the message of Easter is that love, love is stronger than death. That God is greater than the nightmare, even when the nightmares are true. It is so good that we can scarcely look at it without our eyes hurting, like looking at the face of Moses as he came down the mountain shining. And I think that this is so often our story. We love God. We are committed to Christ. We want to live rightly, but there is just so much darkness. The winter is so long and cold that the best things that we can muster up the courage to hope for are burial spices and ointments just to make the body smell less bad. We hope to make it stink less, to give it just a little bit of dignity before it becomes dust. We have weak hopes. So often we live our lives like that, and heaven knows the world does. Outside our doors, people struggle even to know why bodies matter at all. They wonder if anything really matters, if it can be, it can be easy for us to acclimate to the world's despair. As Henry David Thoreau once said, the mass of men lives lives, lives of quiet desperation, and so often we allow ourselves to do just that. But that is not the truth about the world. That is not the truth about Christ. That is not the truth about you. And it's not the truth because Christ is risen. Oh, the good news is so much greater than the spices that the women bring to the tomb. The good news of the resurrection that Christ is risen isn't just one historical event in a long chain of events. This is the main event. This is the center on which history hinges and the whole of the cosmos finds its dignity and worth and meaning. What does the resurrection mean? What is the promise long-term of this resurrection? Well, let's hear what Isaiah 25 tells us from this morning. On this mountain of the Lord, will, the Lord will make, uh, the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of rich food a feast of well-aged wine, and he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations, and he will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away all tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. This is the Lord we have waited for. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Can you imagine? Can you imagine anything more beautiful than that? That is the good news that we try to slowly look at through beautiful flowers and gold and beautiful music. We're trying to very much 
just get the edges of this thing that is too good for words. The Lord himself is setting the feast, drawing together all people, swallowing up death, and he himself wiping the tears away. But we are still so often afraid. When a toddler is crying, um, they get really worked up. And so often, they just can't be consoled all at once. You have to hold them and stroke their hair and kiss their cheek for a long time before they calm down. And then, when they slowly calm down, you can wipe the tears away from their eyes as they take halting gas of air, trying just to breathe in your comfort. They don't receive it all at once. And we are not so different. The nightmare is still so real to us. We are still afraid, like these women running from the empty tomb. Even we are afraid of hope itself. But the comfort of the Lord is here for these women at the empty tomb. And the comfort of the Lord is here for us this morning and always. The resurrection is both the fact and an invitation. It is a historical fact that grounds our hope, but also it is an invitation to put our burial spices and weak hopes aside and live into the great and ferocious hope of the resurrected life with courage and love. Over and over again, you see that when the resurrected Lord comes to people, to meet people, on the road to Emmaus, in the garden, on the shores of the sea, on the mountaintop, doubting behind doors. When people meet resurrected Jesus, they move from fear to courage. From fear to courage. When these women leave, they have heard the good news, but they have not yet fully encountered the resurrected Jesus. The good news of this message leaves people perplexed. Meeting Jesus, being filled with his Holy Spirit, turns fear into courage now in our own lives, just like those people who met Jesus in the New Testament. And if you read the book of Acts, you see that the disciples are radically different people there from those described in the Gospels. They have become people who brave shipwrecks and starvation and imprisonment and alienation and death. Before the resurrection, Peter denies him three times. He's a total mess, like we all know. But after the resurrection, after the coming of the Holy Spirit, Peter is a changed man and finally becomes the rock on which the church is built. And it was that courage. It was that courage that sets the Roman Empire aflame with the worship of this strange, crucified, and resurrected Lord. Not through power, but through sacrifice and love. The courage changed our world forever. But this is not just a courage for courage's sake. The resurrection gives us the courage to love. And by this, I don't mean niceness or tepid affirmation, but love which bears the marks of a cruciform life. What person could follow in the way of Jesus? What person could carry their cross? What person could follow in self-emptying love? 
if the cross, if Golgotha was the last word. Without the resurrection, we above all should be pitied. The resurrection is the vindication of Christ's faithful love. Love of his enemies, love of those who shouted Hosanna last Sunday and crucify him on Friday. Love of me and love of you. He goes to the very end of God forsakenness, but then he comes back. The, if the crucifixion was the end, if the nightmare was true and not also the great triumph of the empty tomb, such selfless love would be nothing but self-annihilation, masochism. In the presence of our resurrected Lord, the marks of the cross, the marks of sacrificial love in our life become the very sources of our dignity and glory. In light of the resurrection, each mark and each scar that we receive from our vulnerability to love others in a broken world becomes witnesses to the kingdom of God because Christ is risen. The resurrection is an invitation to courageous love, a courageous love that cannot be extinguished despite the worst arrows of the evil one. There are so many things one could say about the Christian life, but it should never be called boring. If you belong to this wild and wonderful, crucified and resurrected Jesus, there is no telling, there is no telling what God will do in your life. If you leave running away from this empty tomb, ready to carry the word with you in your heart, he can do anything. But the life that he calls us to is always one of courageous love. Even if that courage is quiet and unnoticed, like the courage to stick with a hard marriage or clean up diapers when you just can't take it anymore. We are an Easter people, a resurrection people, and alleluia is our song. Do not go back and settle for weak hopes, for burial spices, the things that the world asks for us to trust. When new creation life, new creation life invites us into something so much bigger and better. Do not be afraid to hope, even if your heart has been broken so many times before. Do not be afraid to hope to give yourself over to the joy of this morning. The nightmares of sin and death are still around us, but so also is the great and triumphant victory of the Son of God. And one day, one day that will be complete. And so this morning, this Easter morning, this best of all mornings, awaken to the good news that Christ is risen. Come and meet the resurrected Lord and do not leave except leaving changed. And do not turn away from his call on your life because an adventure awaits you, an adventure of courageous love. Pray with me. Almighty Father, we are so grateful. We are grateful that you are indeed the one who breaks in 
and overcomes all of our iniquities. That you receive them on the cross, that your justice and mercy meet and kiss, and that, Lord, new creation life is offered to us. Lord, let us not leave today with weak hopes. Let us be invited into resurrection life. Now and in the age to come. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.